Welcome to the Sex Ed with DB podcast, brought to you by O School. Sex Ed with DB is an intersectional, feminist, Bay Area-based podcast for folks who want to hear real stories from underrepresented voices as we try to revolutionize the way we talk about sex. Just talk about sex every single day. I used to hump the shit out of everything. I think everybody does. I'm like, if you'd like me to start procreating tough shit, because I'm not gonna. You can't have education. You can't have contraception, but you can't have an abortion. We're still on the the shit end of, of the stick for a lot of medical interventions that would make our bodies function better. And now it's all queer and all messy and all bodies and really great and fantastic. Everyone gets a vibrator. I'm DB, a.k.a. Danielle Bezalel, and I'll be your host. In today's episode, we'll be chatting all about periods and menstruation, from the memorable story of our first periods, to pleasure during period sex, to new and unique products to manage your period, and more. Now, let's get into the highs and lows of Dear Ant Flow. Are you a person who has a period? Are you sick of talking about your cycle in hushed tones behind closed doors? O-School's Pleasure Pros are here to help you become a master of menstruation with interactive live streams designed to teach you about how your period impacts your emotional and physical health and your sex life, too. Visit www.o.school to go with the flow. San Francisco Pole and Dance is not just a pole dance studio. It's a feminist utopia and a space to celebrate feminist empowerment. Located at 8th and Folsom in San Francisco's Soma District, San Francisco Pole and Dance offers over 45 classes a week in pole dancing, aerial silks, aerial lira, gymnastics, handstands, and flexibility training. Here, you'll get the best in pole dance training along with the support of a community filled with bad bitches. Go to www.sfpolandance.com to sign up for a class. Use promo code SEXEDWITHDB to get 20% off your first purchase. We have three tenets of the organization, which are service, um, education, and policy. This is Nadia Okamoto. Nadia is the founder and ED of Period, a nonprofit group run by young activists who are leading the menstrual movement by providing period care to those in need. So on the service side, we distribute products to people who need them through a nationwide network of, you know, nonprofit partners and shelters who need it. Um, and we do so through mobilizing a nationwide network of campus chapters um, on campuses. So in the last three years, we've addressed about 240,000 periods through product distribution and registered over 170 campus chapters at universities and high schools around the U.S. and abroad. And what those chapters do is they not only do service in their local areas and start conversations about periods in their local areas, um, but they also work on policy, you know, mobilizing on campuses. um, And then they're in their local level to get policy written to get period products provided in schools, on campuses and shelters um, and soon in prisons as well. Gotcha. Wow. That is a lot. That is awesome. Could you maybe share with us some information that our listeners may not know about the cost of of period care? And you said, you know, how it impacts homeless people and women in developing countries. Um, Maybe some more information about homeless people surrounding how they get their access to begin with, if they they can. Yeah, for sure. So, 
Um, what really ignited the passion for this in, in me personally is, you know, hearing the stories of women using toilet paper, socks, brown paper, grocery bags, cardboard, anything they could find to absorb their menstrual blood and take care of their period. Um, and so those are sort of like the, the personal stories that I think I really resonated with. Um, and, but I mean, in terms of an emotional level, like not having access to period products, I think it's really about people feeling clean, confident, capable ready to discover and reach their full potential, regardless of whether or not they're menstruating, right? So mm -hmm. hearing from homeless women where, you know, not having product and, and being forced to free bleed um, in, you know, not feeling confident in terms of going for job interviews or participating in a newly gotten job or um, even being mobile at the time, you know, a lack of access to public restrooms sometimes leads them feeling like they have to stay around access to restrooms during their periods and just sort of wait out their periods. Right. How about some of your favorite period activists, artists and photographers and people in the space who are doing things, um, amazing things like you to really spread awareness and get access and change policies? Um, who are who else are your favorites in this space? Absolutely. I mean, I think that's a beautiful thing about the menstrual movement is that it's rather small, but the people who are in it are so passionate, right? Um, I think one of my close friends and someone who I really look up to is Class Clemmer, um, who's a leading trans activist in the space. So they are... Um, they are non-binary and uh, really are doing a lot of work around gender inclusivity in the menstrual movement um, and have just really, really inspired so many to like be more inclusive about their language um, and sort of uh, are continuing to elevate that conversation. And I'm super excited to be working with them. They're act they actually wrote a guest part of my book. My book is coming out by with Simon & Schuster in a few months um, called Period Power, A Manifesto for the Menstrual Movement, and it's already out for pre-order. Um, but Cass actually wrote part of um, a section on gender inclusivity for that. Um, another awesome. person who is Jennifer Weisswolf, um, who just published the book Periods Gone Public, and she runs Period Equity and has been a big, um, you know, advocate for period policy, um, to push towards menstrual equity. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, my question is, have you ever experienced any difficulty bringing this topic to the mainstream? Of course, every day. I mean, like we receive, because we, you know, periods are not something everyone likes to talk about. We receive messages from people who do not want to hear about periods ever regularly. Um, mm -hmm. and it's sort of us, up to us to sort of silence those out and focus on the work that we're doing. Yeah. How do you like, how do you speak out? Do you like speak back to those people and try to like reason with them? Or is it more so like a block situation? I think it's all of the above, right? It's really case-by-case case scenario. When someone tells you they don't believe in menstruation, you know that's the time when you don't really fight back. Because mm -hmm. um, it's like, it's, actually, that's not a fact, so. That's how it works. Um, but, you know, I think there are elements where there's really, there's times when it's really important to have those discussions. Right, absolutely. And how about ways of managing your period? So at um, at, peri at the period organization that you run, um, do you all kind of endorse certain types of period products or is it kind of like, how do you, how do you decide what to use and how to, how to give products to people? I mean, we know that periods management is like, everyone has different period experience, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it's a case by case basis, but yeah, we work on, you know, disposable products as well as menstrual cups and reusable pads. Um, mm -hmm. and I think for people who don't have access to bathrooms all the time, Pad, disposable pads are the best options, but for people who are, you know, really trying to be cost effective, menstrual cups might be the best option. How about the idea that a lot of, I feel like it's coming out more, more and more in the mainstream that tampons have 
these chemicals in them that the FDA does not have to uh, like approve or like put on their boxes. Um, any opinion on that and just that idea of kind of like the organic tampon movement? I mean, I think it's interesting because we're seeing a lot of different companies. I would say like there is some cool work being done by activists around the Robin Danielson Act for this. You know, to and get what's that? It's it, you know, it's one of the legislation to get ingredients listed on boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say you know, it's I haven't really been focused on that part of advocacy as much. I've been focused much more on the um, like accessibility to product. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, makes total sense. Um, do you have like one particular story of someone? who you've been in touch with, um, who you've met through this organization, who's really, really needed this organization for themselves. And could you share that story? Yeah. I mean, I think there are multiple stories that really stick with me. I think that it's, it always strikes me how much of an emotional um, experience it can be to like get period products. I think my favorite moments that keep me really grounded in why I do this work are those moments where, you know, you hand someone a period product package and they're brought to tears because this is something they've, thought about and wanted and desired for so long, but always felt pretty silenced about. Um, and I think those moments uh, are, and, are, and I'm a sympathetic crier too, right? So like <laughs> those moments are always ones that stick with me. Great. Any other, any other things that you want to add before I let you go? Um, I would just say go to period.org to find out more about chapters and getting involved. And you can follow us at period movement on social media or connect with me at Nadia Okamoto on Instagram. Let's talk about you specifically. Do you menstruate and what's your relationship like with your period? I think it's quite poetic because I'm menstruating right now. Oh my God, how perfect. (laughs) This is Luna Matadas. Luna is a sex and pleasure educator based in Toronto, Canada, who currently teaches workshops on O-School, our amazing sponsor. I actually have like a really shitty relationship to my period. Um, Like many women, I suffer with like fibroids and heavy long periods. Um, and have for for a long time. And some women don't. And some people who menstruate are very um, mindful of kind of like, this is just part of what happens every month. But for me, it's a disruptor. It's, um, you know, it causes like all other kinds of things. And so bringing in sexuality into my, uh, <laughs> my period life was something I just kind of had to do because I, I menstruate for so long that I didn't want to have to abstain from sexual connection during that time. You know, a couple months ago before we even met, I just like saw your your period and menstruation eroticism clips on O School and I was just like, God, I gotta be friends with this person. This is incredible. <laughs> um so moving back a little bit, um, what about when you got your first period? Tell us like the full story about that. Oh yeah. So I was climbing a tree and <laughs> as we all are while we get our while we get our first periods. I know. Apparently I shook things up and it fell out. <laughs> I don't know. But I was actually with like on a family trip and um I got my period around um I think somewhere between eleven and twelve. And I remember kind of just being like, Oh, that's a weird stain on my underwear. And when I told my mom, she burst into tears. Oh, <laughs> and so then I burst into tears because I was like, Oh shit, something's happening and I don't know what it is, and told me not to tell my dad that she would tell him and so there was like a very sort of secretive um, 
secretive, yeah, and like shameful kind of um, approach to periods in my family. And then she eventually gave me a book from the library that was blue and it was called 28 Days. And that was pretty much like all I knew <laughs> about periods and the only discussion other than men weren't supposed to see my uh, pads or tampons or anything to do with that, that I should kind of keep this to myself. Damn, I feel like that's just too far too common for for young girls and women or people who menstruate. You know, there's just not enough that their parents or schools are are doing, I feel like, to make it so not only they feel like comfortable, but that they don't feel so incredibly ashamed and they want to crawl in a fucking dark corner because they have their period. Yeah, yeah. And I I think it it just creates a lot of unnecessary um, stress and, and shame and body shame to have to try and manage something that uh, really is just like a natural part of, um, you know, kind of having a, a uterus and, and menstruating. So it's, it's just disappointing that we've created all of this like insecurity and shame for people who menstruate around it. In a survey commissioned by the feminine hygiene company Thinks, 58% of women admitted to feeling ashamed when they menstruate. They found that 42% of female participants had experienced period shaming, with comments mostly coming from male friends and family members. Meanwhile, a further 73% of women confessed to hiding a sanitary product on their way to the bathroom, while 29% have canceled plans, such as exercising or swimming, so as to avoid having to tell someone they're on their period. This shame needs to change, and it starts with us. I've seen your stream on O School, like I was saying, specifically about period sex and about your Tinder date. Um, can we please talk about this? <laughs> totally. So um, the, the debate is out on whether or not you should or you're obligated to tell someone uh, whether you're on your period when you're having a date with them or you're going to have sex with them. Um, and my philosophy is like it's not a disease, so it's, it's not really something that I, I'm going to share if I'm going to be able to manage the blood. Um, and so there's lots of ways you can manage the blood. And so I was using um, a sex tampon, which is like a sponge. And <laughs> so you can actually have uh, um, penetration while still wearing it, unlike some menstrual cups and tampons and things like that, which kind of block the uh, vaginal canal. And so I had this Tinder date and I was kind of like on the, the way out of my period. And I thought, oh, if I tell him, he's not going to he's going to freak out about it for like no reason. As they and do, so, as, they, as do. they do, as they totally do. And so I, I put in a sponge and we had a great coffee date and then we were going to hook up and we were doing the things. And uh, I was having a great time and coming all over the place. And <laughs> He was like um, fingering me and then I guess felt the sponge and I could tell something changed in the rhythm and I was like, shit, is there blood or like, and he just pulled the sponge out and he's like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I'm like, that's my period sponge. <laughs> he was like, oh, do you need it? And I was like, no, I put it in because like I was worried if there was a bit of blood and he's like, I don't care. And he's like, can I leave it out? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, like, sure. Like, that's way. And it made me feel so accepted. I was like so much more relaxed. I was like, oh, this person doesn't care. Like went down on me, fingered me. We did all the, the fun things together and it didn't have to hinder our experience. Right. Wow. That is just like the most fucking ideal situation of hooking up with a new person and then being like, just just bleed, dude, because that's that's what our bodies are supposed to be doing. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. 
Amazing. In terms of products you use to manage your period, um, you talk a little bit about this in your streams too, um, but what products do you recommend or do you use, um, like the sponge or other products, to make period sex less messy and more sexy? Yeah. So um, there's a couple of things where, where people are worried about like the mess on whatever surface they're having sex on. So you can definitely use like if you're you're letting kind of free flow blood or there's not much blood, you can use towels or puppy pads or like disposable um, plastic sheets or things like that if you're kind of worried about uh, getting blood stains on on linens. Um, but then if you actually want to, to manage the blood so that there isn't blood flow during um, your period, I mean, you can use tampons, which doesn't, that means you can't have internal play, but you can still do stuff with other parts of the vulva and the clitoris. Um, and if you want to have penetration, there's a, quite a few options. So you've got the sex sponges, which actually come in like three main types of sponges. You just find the right one for your body and for your preference. Um, I list them all on my website, on my period post. Um, so you can kind of explore which ones are, are good. And I have a very heavy flow. And so sometimes people look at the sponges and they're like, that's not going to hold anything. But surprisingly, they do. Um, they're, they're pretty good. And then there's also soft cups. So they're called Instead Soft Cups. And they're just basically a disposable version of like a menstrual cup, like a Diva cup or something like that. Um, and they act as like a little plastic bag that sits between your two pelvic bones just over your cervix. So it catches all the blood and then you just take it out after. And both the soft cups and the sex sponges can be put in you six hours before sex. And, you know, you're, you're good to go if you want to take them out and replace them with another disposable item during sex or after sex. Uh, but they're great because like they, they really just sort of allow you to still receive your, your vaginal canal still gets lubricated. You can still squirt, you can still come. Um, and they're just kind of protecting the blood from coming out of your cervix into the rest of the play area. Amazing. And also like, I feel like there is something to be said about how, when, if it's like a male and a female partner having PV sex, there's something to be said about that period providing lubricant for the male partner. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been talking about like how to manage blood and get rid of blood, but lots of people really enjoy the blood because there's extra wetness, there's extra lubrication during that time that's just natural to the area. You're not really controlling the flow of it through arousal. It's just kind of there. Um, so for people who enjoy sort of that wet feeling, um, it can be really fun to just have period sex and, and not worry about the blood. And, you know, you can use condoms or dental dams to prevent uh, transmission whenever a transmission of the blood whenever you you want to. So someone may be comfortable with P and V sex, but they may not be comfortable going down on their partner. I mean, you can kind of make these choices with the stuff that's uh, available. Lots of people also eroticize um, menstrual blood and they see it as this really like adoring, worshiping opportunity to to uh, play with kind of like primal instincts around feminine bodies or feminine experiences or um, even just sort of natural primal, not necessarily connected to, to feminine stuff, but eroticizing blood and menstruation. Switching gears a little bit here. So you've uh, written a little bit about some misconceptions about period sex being unhygienic, which is like, fuck you to whoever says that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so what do you think some widely held but false beliefs are that put period sex in this negative light? Yeah, I think like the big one is that somehow on your period, you're more 
likely or more susceptible to um, transmit and receive sexually transmitted infections. And so blood is like other bodily fluids, semen and vaginal fluids, and can transmit certain sexually transmitted infections. But it's um, if you're already not using barriers for other things, you're exposed to the same level of infection. So your period doesn't really increase the level. Um, your cervix is more open during your period, but that, that doesn't, that's not really where the sexually transmitted infections are carried. They're carried in fluids. Um, so, you know, using, deciding to use condoms or dental dams or gloves during a period will protect you from the exchange of vaginal fluids as well as blood. So if you're concerned about, uh, transmission, um, and uh, some people also feel that like period time is like a safe time to have like, <laughs> unprotected sex. No, um, that's, that's not true. <laughs> so we know that like people do get pregnant um, on their periods and sperm can survive in the body for up to five days. So depending on how close you are and how regular your cycle is around ovulation, like it's pre- pregnancy still is possible. Wow, that's so crazy that like there are these myths around like, you know, oh yeah, if you're on your period, like there's no way for you to get pregnant. It's like, excuse me, sir, where did you hear that from? What what yeah. where did you read that? Cuz that's that's <laughs> is that from the onion? Cuz that's not yeah. that's not real. <laughs> it's um not science. it's not yeah. science. Just look it look it up. So one other myth is that um it's okay to like demand oral sex from your partner who's menstruating and not give them oral sex. So a lot of times especially in relationships where um, you've got like a, a person who doesn't menstruate and a person who does menstruate, it, the burden can kind of be like, okay, well, since you're off limits right now, then you're just going to do me. And then that's not true. I mean, if you don't feel like having sex on your period, that's fine. That's totally up to you. But the, the yuck and the ick factor is something worth exploring because it's a barrier to part like pleasure for you and your partner. And so, I mean, you can have really creative, sexy solutions if you're really just not down for the blood, you're not down for um, menstrual eroticism. Like you have lots of options, which include abstaining from sex, but it's not okay to just be like, you go down on me and like get me off. Like that's not cool. Especially because like usually plot twists, those are people with wieners, with penises, um, I feel like typically. And like their wieners like don't necessarily like smell or taste good either. Like – So I don't understand, like, obviously, like you said, you don't want to force anyone to, like, lick or taste blood if they don't want that. But at the same time, like, wieners aren't a walk in the park here, you know? No, no, like, two words, dick cheese. Dick cheese, dude. (laughs) Hello. Like, wash yourself. Self-cleaning, like. (laughs) And a lot of it is just, like, around the misogyny for vulvas. And it's like, you know, we've created this whole insecurity that we then get to market products for, for that we stink, that vulvas are fishy, that vulvas are unclean, that, like, all of the natural scents that are part of vulvas um, are actually offensive. And, and the truth is they're not. Someone just decided, you know, to call right. it fish or to be expensive or, um, and if we don't have that around dicks, like dicks are highly celebrated. Everything is phallic celebration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So although talking about periods is becoming more mainstream, I would say through like Instagram and Tumblr and different period products, I think people are getting more used to those things and like the idea of the blood rather than the old Tampax commercials where they would put blue like <laughs> on and like everyone's wearing a, a white skirt and just twirling. Um, yeah. I think we're kind of hopefully past that. Um, but I would still say that there's still an immense stigma about menstruation. Um, and 
how I'm wondering how do you break through that stigma? What have you found that's most effective when you make conversation about periods? Um, and how how do they become easier for you and the people who you're chatting with? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really good question. Because, you know, if someone has a stomach ache at work, and it's due to menstrual cramps, we'd never say, Oh, yeah, it's my period. I'm on my cramp. I'm right. It's so secret. Yeah. And you're supposed to pretend it's not happening. Hide your tampons. Hide your tampons. Yeah. And yet maxi pads are like fluorescent colors. Why (laughs) are they that color? (laughs) Don't they know the stigma? I can't menstruate discreetly with neon green pads. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, there's there's so much around um, that. Also, like the 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 kind of like minimizing of women's pain during period two. And we just saw a recent study um, come out that talked about comparing um, some types of menstrual dysfunction that causes extreme pain. That's equivalent to like a heart attack. And, and so we're, we're finally getting sort of acknowledgement that like the pain that women suffer during their periods is actually scientifically relevant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Read it. It's science. We did science again. Um, and I think breaking through some of that is is kind of being um, a little matter of fact about it happening. Like I used to say to people when I was going to hook up with them, like, oh, hey, uh, so just so you uh, know, uh, I am sort of on my period. And, and I'd be sort of apologizing almost for it. Right. And if I choose to disclose now, I'm like, hey, so I'm on my period. So let's talk about like what sexy things you're comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. And and just kind of putting it out there, like, I'm not embarrassed about this. So if you have a problem with that, that's not on me. Totally. Um, art. I mean, lots of us are connected to being shamed in our bodies in so many ways. And this is just another thing. Um, but yeah, I think normalizing it um, and also doing your research, like explore what options are good for you. Because maybe you want to be like me and not tell your date and, you know, pop in a sponge and you're good to go. You don't have to have that conversation with someone casual. Um, and, and what a game changer, right? Like, I feel like that really didn't, that wasn't an option before. I think so. Yeah, I think people were like cutting half tampons and like kind of trying to make do and putting like actual sponges up there. Um, so none of those things are hygienic and or as good and functional as uh, sex tampons and soft cups. What would one thing you would want our listeners to walk away with when it comes to periods and menstruation? Yeah, I think um, the big thing that, and the reason why I wanted to to write the article is to kind of bring it out into the the light that there are more than there's more than just one view of periods being disgusting and gross and this being a no go sex time. And to really just let listeners know that you have options. So if you don't want to have sex on your period, fine. If you want to have sex on your period but don't want the mess or don't want the smell or the taste, there's so many different things you can do to manage that. Um, and that also your your body is is part of how you decide to eroticize sex. So if this is what's happening with your body right now, just as if, you know, maybe you gained weight or lost weight or, um, you know, your hair grew out or it didn't grow out, like it, these are all just kind of things that are a part of what you're bringing to the table. And, and really, you should expect to be accepted. And when you're not, like that's not on you. And we have a lot of unlearning to do around menstrual shame. Motherhood isn't for everyone, but if it's for you, maybe, at some point, then think about freezing your eggs. Extend Fertility is a premier egg freezing practice dedicated to preserving your fertility options. Have questions? Schedule a call at www.extendfertility.com.
All right. Hey, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. So glad to have hey, you here. Danielle. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> going great. It's a beautiful day here. Amazing. And you're in Southern California. Is that right? Yeah. That's, yeah. I'm in Venice Beach uh, in Los Angeles. This is Sarah D'Andrea. Sarah is a sex educator at the Flex Company. Flex is a body safe, disposable menstrual disc that lasts up to 12 hours in the body. Can you tell us about your job and uh, why you initially chose to go into sex ed? Yeah. So for undergrad, I studied journalism. I wanted to be like mass media, advertising. Um, I loved Oprah. Like she's the reason I went into journalism. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? (laughs) I know it's, it's really cliche at this point, but like, it just has to be said, she kind of dictated my first career move. So yeah. So as I was studying journalism media, I mean, I'm in college. So in class, I'm studying mass media. And then outside of class, I'm like growing as a person, as a woman, understanding my sexuality. And I was realizing that all my whole perception and understanding of being a woman and sex in general, what I expected from partners was dictated by media. Like just straight Mm -hmm. up, that was, that was my sex ed. And, you know, honestly, in a lot of ways, it wasn't a huge, I'm a cisgender person. I mostly straight. And so like in some ways it wasn't as like, um, confronting as it can be for other people. But once it hits you that like my whole expectation of being a woman was just like fed to me by people who want me to buy their stuff. That became just like a real turning point for me. And I was like, everyone should know about this. Everyone should be analyzing their media. (laughs) I need to tell everyone. (laughs) I, I know. Like I thought that like I had discovered a secret. So I just felt really passionate about it. And I'm, I don't consider myself a student. Like I'm not meant to be in school, but at this point, I was like finishing undergrad. So I was like, I guess I have to get my master's. And so I got my master's in human sexuality. So you said, you know, you wanted to work in advertising and you kind of studied, mm-hmm. you studied journalism and you talked mm-hmm. about, you know, the different kinds of messages that we've been receiving specifically as women yeah. of like, this is how you should act and dress. So you should buy our right. products. And I totally mm-hmm. agree with that. So I'm wondering, like, what kinds of messages did you receive as a kid about your period? Like, was it through like, commercials or movies or what, what comes out and what sticks out in your mind? Yeah. Well, I definitely like, I'm trying to think of a specific example, but I know there was like TV shows where girls got their first period, the Lizzie McGuire episode where she's like, I want a bra. Like, I mean, that's about bras, it's not about periods, (laughs) but like, I feel like, I feel like there is probably some TV shows and in those shows, they always have like a really happy ending where like, Mm. it's okay, you know, like, and I think that's probably why I was excited about it. My mom also gave me the American Girl doll book or American Girl book, The Care and Keeping of You. And that goes into like a lot of puberty things, but there's this one section where like it shows a girl insert. It's a, you know, an illustration of a girl inserting a tampon. And like with pubic hair and like spreading her labia. And like when I was a kid, I was fascinated by this. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be doing this. This is such a mature <laughs> thing. This, this is, is going to be my life. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was, and I guess it's so much like a mass media message, but like definitely important book when I was, you know, growing up. And then, yeah, like I, as far as periods, I think that there's 
I was fortunate enough to get the messaging. Like people were trying to counteract the scary, frightening feeling that some people get. So it, and it, the result was that they're like, Oh, it's a wonderful, great thing. And I kind of think the truth is somewhere in the middle, maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah. I feel you. I mean, for me, like, I just like fucking hate it. I just like don't, <laughs> I don't want it. I get like really anxious beforehand. Like it's just oh, like yeah. an inconvenience for me. It's just like mm -hmm. I wish. And like for me, like I've tried the IUD, like the more long-term ones. I've tried the depot mm -hmm. shot. Like I've tried ones and they just like haven't worked for me either because like I've gotten wow. acne because of the hormones or like whatever it is. So like mm -hmm. for me, I like, I totally share this like fascination with it. And I'm just like, mm. you go Glen Coco for people who really <laughs> love it. But like, that's just simply not me. <laughs> I think it's like, uh, it's okay. You know, I mm -hmm, think it's okay. Mm -hmm. um, well, I mean, like, definitely as an adult, the novelty has right. worn off a little bit and I definitely like, completely, <laughs> yes. like, it's definitely a much harder I mean, like, I mean, my cramps are so insane. I completely agree with you that periods can be pretty miserable. Um, and I mean, and, and I know that I don't even have like the worst of it. Like you hear about some people who just like can't go to work that day. And I'm like, right. Or who have like endometriosis you. or like, you know, other, yeah. other conditions that like make it oh, really yeah. hard for them to just live life. Mm -hmm. If you're someone who struggles with period pain, you are not alone. According to the British Menopause Society, around 80% of women experience period pain at some stage in their lifetime. And apparently, you can suffer from period pain from your early teens right up to menopause. Most women experience a few days of discomfort during menstruation, especially on the first day. But for upwards of 10% of girls and women, period pain is severe enough to disrupt their daily life, including attending work and school. Switching gears a little bit um, about uh, <laughs> kind of like this luxury tax that's on tampons, mm. which is just like so ironic, like tampons are mm -hmm. not luxurious, like period products right. are not luxurious. So like, do you like, this is kind of like a personal political question. Like, do you think period yeah. products should be free? And like, if so, like how, how, how does that happen? Like schools, like yeah. companies, right. like what does that look like? Right. So as far as the tax, there should not be any extra tax on tampons. I do think that's pretty ridiculous. And my gut reaction is should, you know, period products be free is like, of course, like, yes, they should be free. Um, but then I think about it too. There's so many things like, you know, toilet paper, water, electricity. We need all these things, you know, to survive. And often we have to pay for those too. Um, and, but they are also readily available in circumstances where you, you know, you shouldn't really have to pay for them. So I kind of feel the same way with tampons. It's good that I think there's competition in the market. Like I think that with period products now, there is so much innovation and that's what we really, really try and focus on. We're like, what can we, can we, can we make the best product for a person? You know, like what, how can we make someone's period week a little bit better? Um, and then there's all like, so I think that that's where we're constantly focusing on and that it's important that we're like supporting each other, you know, supporting the other people doing the work that are saying, you know, like, Hey, this also needs to be really free and available and accessible. And, you know, I think we have to work hand in hand, the innovation and the accessibility have to go together. 
Right. Yeah, I totally hear you. And that really does make sense mm-hmm. to me. I think like the rat, like exactly like you said, like the radical like gut reaction me- in me is just kind of like free mm-hmm. tampons for everyone all the time. But like, yeah. I recognize <laughs> yeah. that, like, you know, that's like unrealistic if people are like on the street and can't get food and can't get water. And like, mm-hmm. obviously tampons mm-hmm. and like period product management is like necessary for people who mm-hmm. menstruate. But at the same time, like there are other things um, that people do have to pay for in order to survive. Um, um, so, oh, totally. okay. So, so kind of like transitioning here into this innovation mm-hmm. and creativity and, um, flex, can you talk about the product and, uh, who your customers are? Yeah, sure. So flex is a period product. Um, it replaces cups and tampons. It sits around the cervix in the widest part of the vaginal canal. It's called the vaginal fornix. And, um, it, because of where it sits, it doesn't plug the vaginal canal. It, like, uh, like tampons and cups typically do. Um, and you can wear it for a full 12 hours. It's entirely body safe, also disposable. And, uh, one of the benefits that you've probably, if you've heard of flex before, you might have heard you could wear it during sex. The mastery period sex is sometimes a benefit. For people and yeah, <laughs> no string. There is no string attached. So no P string, which is my favorite thing. That's great. There are so many different types of textures of period mm-hmm. blood. And I feel like that mm-hmm. definitely can make a difference in like what kind of product you need to use. Um, mm-hmm. And which comes to like my next question is like, I want to be a flexpert. Um, I hope that you've used that before because if not, I am uh, copywriting it. Just kidding. You definitely know what that is. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I like used flex, um, like once or twice and I, I just like mm-hmm. don't really know if I'm doing it correctly. And I know like your website's yeah. really good about like having videos and like showing. Um, and maybe I just mm-hmm. like, put it in incorrectly. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, can you like share? And I know that like in your media, like in the flex box, when you have like all of the, Mm -hmm. you know, all of the flex, um, units in, in the box that you send to Mm -hmm. folks there, it comes with like kind of a mini booklet of, you know, Mm -hmm. this is how many people are, you know, don't get it right the first time. And the statistic Mm -hmm. was way higher than I thought. Um, Mm -hmm. can you talk about like, Things that are hard, like maybe people like me who have had trouble putting in <laughs> oh, the flex. Oh, right. We're talking about like, actual flex. <laughs> yes. And like how in your, sure. you know, little booklet and your product, yeah. it says like a high statistic of people who have mm-hmm. trouble with it. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, going back to my job, like, you know, having a background in human sexuality, it's not necessarily even just educating about about the product, but there's like the first step of educating people about like what the inside of their vagina like really looks like. You know, you understand that it's like that first vaginal canal, but um, having people understand that around the cervix is the widest part of the vagina. Um, so that's like my first piece of ed- education, like around the cervix, it's called the vaginal fornix, and that's where flex is going to sit. And the cervix, it's not just like a hole up there. It kind of like bumps out. It kind of feels like the tip of your nose. So those are like things I'm, I'm educating people about just about their bodies. So when it comes to using flex, you want to make sure that you are pressing the rim down and around so it gets behind the cervix. And then when you push the rest of the rim up, you want to make sure it's pushed up behind your pubic bone. Like I push it all the way up. It's probably even past my pubic bone. And so what I say is, when people say like, well, I just put it in, is it in right? I say, well, can you feel it? They say not at all. 
that's the first step you're looking for. If it feels a little bit uncomfortable, like maybe just kind of, a, you can, you can definitely adjust it. You know, it's not like a tampon where you, once you take it out, like you, you can like move it around, you can push it back more. Um, that usually works for people. I, I think, I imagine that when I'm talking to people, they are not typically pushing it back far enough. So it's around the back of the cervix. Um, and then pushing it back up so it's behind the pubic bone, the, like the last part of the rim that's behind the pubic bone is really important. Just that's like the piece, that's like the last piece that's going to go in. And if you can feel that, that's going to be probably uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as, you know, how long it takes people to make, feel like a hundred percent comfortable using flex. We always say, I mean, think about the first time you used any period product, you know, were you going into that a hundred percent confident and also definitely you probably, not. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also you probably had heard a lot more about tampons before you tried a tampon than you did about flex before you tried a menstrual disc. You know, you probably you hear about the disc you order and you're like, wait, I've known about this for one week and now I'm just going to try and use it. So right. whereas tampons, you know, your friends, your sister, you know, your mom can talk to you about it before you ever have to try it. So um, there is just getting people comfortable with the concept. And I feel like if there, I mean, for you, I, I feel like <laughs> you're probably just like game to try whatever is how oh, I like, yeah. picture it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some people, when there's like a lot of hesitation, like they're really nervous, I'm always like, take a breath, relax, like watch all of our videos. I think sometimes being tense for not, not necessarily for your sick circumstance, but for other customers, just being kind of anxious. Like we're here to also kind of like calm you down and be like, this is okay. You're just trying a new thing. Try it before you have a period. Even um, it's safe to just pop in and see if it's comfortable, kind of understand where it's going to go. People are sometimes surprised by the size. And once it's in, you realize you're like, wait, this is actually, there is space for this to sit around my cervix. It is pretty mm-hmm. bendy when it's going through the vaginal canal. Um, those are some like initial things, but if you had leaking, you know, that's an adjustment, um, like where you're putting it in. If you leak after like many, many hours, you could have like a heavy flow or it could have just kind of like moved out of place. Like I'm kind of paranoid about leaks. Um, so I like always, every time I go to the bathroom, I push the rim back up behind my pubic bone, like every time. So I feel like, you know, that's just like second nature for me. Um, so those are like a couple different tips that I would say. Mm -hmm. And if, You've never, like, if you're, if you've never inserted anything into your body before, you're going to have a different learning curve than like people who've maybe tried a cup or a tampon. Right. And, and why do you think that flex is a better alternative to tampons or menstrual cups? I, for me, I like it because of where it sits in the body. Um, So specifically because it it serves as like this thing, like under the cervix. Exactly. Or around the cervix. Right. So cups and tampons, they, they plug the vaginal canal and the, you know, that's, that's the most sensitive part of the vagina. Um, some people experience extra cramping from cups or tampons. I don't, I, for me, my, my cramps happen like before my period. So I'm like, I wish I could just figure out what that is about. <laughs> right. <laughs> but some people, they know, they're like, look, when I use a tampon, I have like terrible cramps. Um, and we say, well, it could, it's maybe not necessarily about, just having something inside of you, but maybe where it's sitting inside of you. If you want to try flex, it does sit an entirely different part of the vaginal canal than cups or tampons. Um, so that, I mean, the most common 
response that we get from our customers is that it's so comfortable. I forgot that I was wearing it. I completely didn't even notice that it was in. And that's, that's exactly what we want to hear. You know, I, I think <laughs> I say, have you ever had the experience where you just like cough out your tampon? You like sneeze and you like fear your tampon move. <laughs> like that for you, sure. It's not an, ex- yeah, <laughs> you don't with flex. It stays in place, you know, when it's, when it's placed properly, it's just going to sit right there. Sex Ed with DB is brought to you by O School, a place to unlearn shame, explore pleasure, and interact with a diverse community of sex-positive folks through daily live streams. Forget sex ed. Our hashtag sexy ed is far more satisfying. Go to www.o.school to learn more. Our creator, host, and producer is me, Danielle Bezalow, a.k.a. DB. Our content editor is Katherine Cohen. Our graphic illustrator is Carissa Diaz. Our audio engineer is Katie McMurrin. Our social media lead is Lisa Fireman, and our fundraising coordinator is Carly Yoshida. Music by Joaquin Karud and the artist Buddha. Thank you to our featured voices and our listeners. Tune in next time.